This podcast is a part of the Carbon Almanac Network of Podcasts. Hi, I'm Imma. I live in Scotland. Hi, I'm Jen and I'm from Canada. Hi, I'm Oladanji and I'm from Nigeria. Hello, I'm Liki and I live in Paris. Hey, I'm Rod. I'm from Peru. Welcome to Carbon Sessions, a podcast with carbon conversations for every day with everyone from everywhere in the world. In our conversations, we share ideas, perspectives, questions, and things we can actually do to make a difference. So don't be shy and join our Carbon Sessions because it's not too late. Hi, I'm Jen. Hi, I'm Nikki. What are we talking about today, Leaky? We are talking about incentives. Incentives, yes. Incentives to, um, to have better behaviors. To our better behaviors. I like that. Yeah. And incentives with money. What are we going to start with? What kind of incentives? Well, um... Okay, let's start with an incentive of something that I that worries me a lot because uh, um, um, I'm kind of culprit to the whole system is that, you know, I am a casual runner. I mean, I like to think I'm a runner, but um, I mean, yes, I do run. So I guess that I'm a runner because I run, but I'm not a very, very good runner, but still, I like to, you know, to take part into small competitions because I just find it fun because um, it's uh, it adds a little bit of um, tension. Uh, it's exciting. So I do a lot of small competitions. And uh, one thing that really, really bothers me is that every time we go on a competition, there's a runner t-shirt. And, um, okay, I can show you actually. I'm wearing one of <laughs> okay, this is the one I get from my last run. Um, uh-huh. So yeah, see, it's um, it's made of uh, polyester most of the time, and as you know, polyester is it's not very good for the environment because it's plastic based and uh, it's really difficult to dispose of. And um, and actually, I don't need all those t-shirts. I mean, if you look in my drawers, I have dozens and dozens of t-shirts i don't buy any new t-shirts because i've got so many but i can't wear them all i mean i I try to use them but no i can't so i try to give them to people but you know people find kind of weird to wear um to wear t-shirts where it says oh you know i run this race and and where they didn't so it's just a lot of junk and i find it very very annoying but things are starting to change Oh, so what are the, what's the change? What's happening? It's the beginning, I would say. Um, one thing, one pattern that I noticed in some of the competitions is that they give you the, or the runner, they give the opportunity to the runner to not get the t-shirt. Um, because running is a kind of minimal sport, but actually the environmental footprint is quite big when you think about you know the traveling and you think about you know all the plastic bottles and a lot of them of the organizing companies are trying to to have better behaviors to give the possibility to runners to to uh to do things better there are more and more competitions that say okay if you don't want to get the t-shirt we offer you a discount 
which is great actually because um, I don't need a t-shirt and it's cheaper for them because they don't have to manufacture the t-shirts anyway. That's really good. Yeah. And is this happening more and more like in different places or, or in the circles that you've discovered? Or is it catching on, do you think? Yeah, I think it's catching on. Um, now what I see more and more is um, if you want to just sign up for the race and get the medal, because well, it's one of the, of the pleasure of the race is to get the medal at the end of the run. So if you want to buy the t-shirt, it's, it's offered as an option. And actually there are all the goodies that you can buy, but... Um, but <laughs> <laughs> That's good. So that environmental incentive in a way. Yes, it is. Well, with money. Well, and, and yeah, so, so do you think that was driven from, you know, runners having too many drawers full of t-shirts or was that driven from a money-saving perspective or both? I think it's both because, um, yeah, it's becoming quite expensive. If you do all the competitions you want to do, of course, I'm an okay runner, but not a good runner, so I will never have sponsors so yeah it's quite a budget you know if i want to do all the competitions i want to do in this season if i sign up to for all the races it's becoming a, quite a budget right right wow so i wonder what other incentive things um are out there that are either a little bit of both you know or one or the other money or environment or a little bit of both I think often it comes together. Um, mm. I think those two objectives are quite aligned because, you know, if you want the stuff, there's cost to make it. So if right. you remove the cost of making it, uh, you can offer an incentive for, to, the, to the user. Say, okay, you don't get this thing, yeah. then it will be cheaper. Yeah. I, I, uh, I live... Um, in Canada and on the West Coast, and Vancouver is a has a huge coffee culture. Mm. Um, people go everywhere with something in their hand. <laughs> you don't go anywhere without your your cup or your you know. I carry a water bottle around, and uh, people say it's an emotional support water bottle, <laughs> but emotional support coffee cups happen around here too. And um, there are coffee shops on every corner. Uh, we have, uh, you know, Tim Hortons and Starbucks. and yeah, I mean, you name it. There's coffee everywhere. And in Vancouver, they decided, um, I can't remember, maybe a couple of years ago, to um, start charging people an extra 25 cents if they don't bring their own reusable cup. Um, so if you show up at a coffee shop in Vancouver with nothing and buy a coffee, they are charging an extra 25 cents. And I think the idea was A, to incentivize people to bring their own reusable cup, which is excellent for the environment because the garbage cans are overflowing, even though the cups that they serve things in are cardboard. Um, sometimes the cardboard gets thrown in with the, you know, the, the even if it's compostable and the same with the, um, the uh, plastic cups that are made out of corn that are supposed to be compostable, well, sometimes parts of things aren't. Um, we don't have plastic straws anymore around mm. here, which is great. It's all uh, recyclable or compostable. But 
Um, but now there's some pushback against this charge. And I think it has to do with affordability. It's a very expensive place to live. And it also has to do with uh, people who don't have access for whatever reason to a disposable mug. Um, so that means that if you don't show up with your your mug, you have to pay extra. Yeah. So in a way, it's you need to pay for the for the mug, even if yeah. it's um, a mug that you can throw away. You still have to pay it. Yeah. If you bring your own, it's less, and if you don't bring your own, then you pay for the one that gets thrown away. And I don't know if there is a setup for what happens with that money or if that money is just going into the, the the company's coffers. Like, I don't know where that money is going. If it was to be used for recycling or something, that would be good. But I kind of don't think that's the case. So I think they're arguing for getting rid of this idea. Is, um, it, right. is it a legal thing or it's a is it company policies that no say? it's a city citywide thing it's a, a like a city bylaw mm. yeah yeah so the city council there's people speaking against it and there's been news articles about it and i don't know if they're going to revisit it um or what they're going to do but it took a while to get it going and now it's happening and now the complaints are yeah, well, I mean, I can understand that. It sounds like a good idea, um, but I can understand that some people complain because it's becoming more expensive for people who have um, have less access to things. And maybe there's an initial investment which might be quite expensive. I don't know. Yeah, those they're quite expensive. Well, everything's expensive in this corner of the world. To give you perspective, years ago, 10 years ago, I went, on a trip to New York and I was prepared for everything to be really, really expensive. And I was really, really surprised that it wasn't. Yes. <laughs> I know what you, you mean. You know, and it's like, <laughs> well, it's really not that expensive in New York. I mean, the dollar factor makes mm -hmm. it, uh, you know, our dollar here in Canada is terrible. So the dollar factor, the exchange rate makes things much more. But you know, uh, you know, the prices were pretty comparable or pretty similar or even a little bit less um, than than what we were paying for from restaurant meals and things when when I was there. And I was really surprised because I was prepared for it to be, you know, it's New York for heaven's sake, <laughs> it's probably really expensive. And I'm thinking, well, when you compare anything to Vancouver, <laughs> oh, man. You were telling me earlier before we turned on the recording about a clothing company, and I'm fascinated about this. Tell oh, me about that. okay. You know that in fashion, we are trying a lot of different things because fashion is a very polluting industry and it contributes a lot to climate change. I don't have the exact numbers, but it's like maybe the second or the third um, highest no, the industry, which is the second or third highest contributor to climate change. And so we are working on a lot of different solutions to to make this industry still work because people need clothing and there are people that are involved in the, this industry. And uh, yeah, we need clothes and it brings a lot of joy, but we need to find solutions. And so one of the solutions is to develop more businesses based on circular fashion model. One of the ideas of circular fashion is that the, uh, the clothes can be recycled. 
And the problem with a lot of things that can be recycled is that it's not because it can be recycled, that it is guilt-free and you can buy it and then you're done. You know, you've done your part of the work. Um, you actually really have to make sure that it is recycled properly. Otherwise, you know, it's not because something is, can be recycled that it will get recycled. And so there is right. a big problem with fashion, the textile stuff, uh, because a lot of the pieces of clothing can be recycled, but they don't eventually get recycled because um, it doesn't go through the right channel, through the, the right networks of recycling. And um, so one of the companies that has, um, you know, has really pushed uh, this concept to the end is that, okay, I'm selling you this piece of clothes. It's yours. And uh, you can use it for as long as you want. But I want to make sure that it's properly recycled. So what I'm going to do is to charge you a deposit. So here's a piece of clothes. And once you're done with it and you don't want it anymore, you return it and we'll give you back the deposit. Wow. So what do you think of this idea? That is really interesting. Now, I'm a person who I would say 95% of what I wear is from the thrift store. Um, and when I do buy something new, I buy from a sustainable fashion organization. Um, so I, and I wear my clothes forever. So, <laughs> so I don't know if it was something I really, really liked, I may never return it, but, <laughs> but, um, I mean, I was wearing, I was wearing something the other day that, um, I love this little, it's a little velvet, dark chocolate brown velvet little jacket. And I love this thing. And it occurred to me that it was handed down to me when my children were little from uh, a young babysitter who used to spend a lot of money on clothes and didn't want this. And she brought a whole bag of clothing over. And I found this little jacket. And this was when my kids were little and they're, you know, 30 and 31 and 29 and younger. So, um, so this is a really old piece of clothing and it still looks great and I still love it. So for me, that might not work, but I can see that if it's uh, somebody who just wears something for a year or two and then gives it away, then that would be a great incentive. Yeah. Well, it just, you know, it's something on top of the price. Yeah. So it's part of the price, I would think, uh, because yeah. I don't know if you noticed, but yeah, I mean, you've noticed, you just say that you, you love some pieces that you've been wearing since when your kids were, <laughs> were born. I shouldn't say that, but you know. No, no. <laughs> but I don't know if you paid attention to it, but some um, clothes from 30 years ago last much, much, much longer than the clothes that of today. Yeah. See, I don't, uh, because I don't buy fast fashion, uh, except secondhand. Um, and when I buy secondhand, I look for real quality pieces. So, um, yeah, I, but I know that that is a big, big thing. So anything that helps incentivize to reuse and recycle is a good idea, I think. Yeah. I, I mean, I see a lot of things happening in fashion. There are also, uh, like, you know, swap markets, uh, um, okay, to use the technical term, it's peer-to-peer. -peer. So instead of going to like a, a big store, you join a group of people and you swap your clothes. So that's one way. Um, then you maximize the use of the, of the piece of clothes because it's one of the pillars of circular fashion is to use it 
for as long as possible. And then also you can repurpose it and um, make it last longer or change the usage of the, of the piece of clothes. Yeah. No, it's good to do all of those things. While we were uh, talking, I thought of another incentive um, that I read this week and just it just came to me now. Um, we we bought, oh gosh, it's it's way past warranty. It's got to be pretty old now, maybe maybe 12 or 13, 14 years old, um, a high-powered blender. And we use this blender every single day, every single day sometimes more than once. We love this blender so much, we take it with us to the cabin in the summer because <laughs> <laughs> we make our breakfast smoothies every day. And the blender uh, container has just started leaking at the bottom a little bit. Mm -hmm. the, the, the bowl, the whatever you call it, is plastic. But the whole thing is a really heavy machine. And I, I went on their website um, because I don't believe in just throwing stuff yes. out. I want to I want to know if it can be fixed. I want to know if I can get a replacement part, what I should do. And on their website, I was really pleased to see that they, if you, if you really can't fix it, they will take a trade-in of any old blender that you have and give money back, like quite a lot of money back towards buying something new. And I thought that is really good because then they can refurbish it if they can. They can take parts and use it for something else. If it's not their own blender, um, maybe they know how to dispose of it properly. I was I was really happy to see that, and it made me love that company even more. <laughs> yeah, that's funny you talking about this because it's um it's an incentive that is used by a lot of fashion brands as well. There are brands that you know that sell jeans or shoes, and um, and if you return used items, you get a discount. Even if it's wow. not from the same brands, and uh, I see it more and more often. And those brands just want to make sure that those items get recycled and reused and repurposed properly. So yeah. I think it's a very, very good incentive. That's very good. Uh, on, the, on the note of another appliance, um, we had a little rice cooker <laughs> that we bought, and the bowl had was all scratched up like the, um, yeah. the nonstick thing was all gone. And so we recycled the bowl, but the machine was fine. Mm -hmm. So I ended up, I ended up looking it up and I found the company and it turned out the company was a Canadian company, which is, you know, not always the case. And I, I phoned them or emailed them or something. And I was able to buy just the replacement part. That's so cool. <laughs> and, and they sent me the replacement bowl so I still had the lid I still had the machine everything else was good we recycled the metal at a metal recycling place and they sent me a bowl and the whole thing works great again so it's like yes how could we do that more wow you just gave me a great idea because I have a pressure cooker and I have a problem with the uh, with the lid it's called the lid um, yeah, yeah. I cannot turn it anymore and then, oh. I mean I've tried many many different ways and I thought, oh, no, I have to buy. That could be dangerous. <laughs> well, I cannot close it at all. So it's just, um, so I cannot, it cannot be dangerous. So I cannot close it. I cannot use it, except if I yeah. don't put the lid on, which is completely useless. And I thought, oh, well, I really enjoy using the pressure cooker because it's, um, it's you know, it's, it's, it's a great way of cooking faster. So, mm. but then I thought, wow, 
that means I need to buy a new one. But then probably I will phone the company and share my problem with them. And maybe they have, um, maybe they can, you know, they can help me with just, um, just the part, just the part that is broken. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I think, I think, I think it'd be great to get back to that um, instead of this disposable, this disposable uh, world we're in now. Huh. Yeah. Any other incentives? Any other things we talked about? Incentives? Um, hmm. Well, we're starting this conversation by saying, oh, we have no ideas, but actually there are so <laughs> many, many, many examples around us. Um, let's see. I know there's a mascara company. I don't know what it's called, but you can return the makeup containers and, um, and the brushes and they, they will do something with them. I don't know what, but they re recycle the brushes, mascara brushes and the tubes and, um, oh, and the contact lenses too, because I was reorganizing and decluttering and I, we have this little bag. Uh, from the contact lens company and you're supposed to put the packaging and uh, the old packaging and everything into this bag and then return it. Oh, really? And they will recycle it. Yeah. Oh, that's a great idea because one of the reasons I don't like wearing contact lenses is that there's so much plastic in it. Yes. Yeah. So if you can return yeah. it, that's a great idea. You have to give me the name of the company. Yeah, I, can't remember, I can't remember right off the top of my head, but I remember looking at this bag that came with something and I thought, oh, that's great. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think that's all the incentives I can think of for today. But if, you know, if people have incentive programs for reducing waste or for recycling that they want to share with us, they can come over to the carbonalmanac.org um, to the podcast and go down and tell us. There's a way that you can share your story and give us your uh, your tale, explain what you found, where you live, and uh, and we would love to hear from you. Yeah, I'm sure that you all have a lot of examples and ideas because uh, we start with no ideas and uh, and we I don't know how many we got today. <laughs> yeah, quite a few. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So nice to talk well, to you, Jen. Nice talking to you, Lakey. This was fun. You've been listening to Carbon Sessions, a podcast with carbon conversations for every day with everyone from everywhere in the world. We'd love you to join the Carbon Sessions so you too can share your perspectives from wherever you are. This is a great way for our community to learn from your ideas and experiences, connect, and take action. If you want to add your voice to the conversation, go to thecarbonalmanac.org slash podcasts and sign up to be part of a future episode. This podcast is also part of the Carbon Almanac Network. For more information, to sign up for the emails, to join the movement, and to order your copy of the Carbon Almanac, go to thecarbonalmanac.org. Be sure to subscribe and join us here again as together we can change the world.